calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Safe drivers save up to 20% with insurance. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance. Hey, everyone. This is John Rocha, one-third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the geek buddies <laughs> hey! Hey! back at it again this week to talk about everything that's going on in the world of geekdom we are so happy you all are joining us whether you're listening to us or watching us on youtube let's introduce ourselves i'm the outlaw john roca writer producer and host here on the outlaw nation of the geek buddies I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies, and you can currently see uh, my Strawberry Shortcake on Netflix uh, currently, which I have written along with my good geek buddy. This is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer, as Mr. Vogel already said, but I'm also a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and, oh, I almost said the new one, which I'm not allowed to say yet. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Silicon Valley. Oh, there you go. That's right. There you go. 
Well, we'll be able to announce that, I'm sure, soon enough here on the show when you finally shoot it and when you're allowed to uh, break the NDA, so to speak, and talk. About it. Yeah, we're excited here to get into so much go- what's go- that's going on in the world of geekdom and nerddom. And uh, the way the show works, of course, is that each of us brings up a geek news item. We talk about it amongst ourselves as three geek news items. Take a break. and We talk about our main topic. And our main topic today is going to be dealing with all the news that's come out surrounding dc with so many both positive and negative stories around dc we're just going to sit around and talk about it all as our main topic and of course a big thank you as well to uh, uh carbon health that pow who powers and sponsors everything we do here on the geek buddies in the outlaw nation thank you so much to them look if you've got healthcare needs healthcare concerns healthcare issues you want to head over to carbonhealth.com, see if they've got a clinic near you or if they can offer you virtual care. they got 100-plus locations all over the country, 50-plus locations in California alone. They offer COVID testing. They offer regular testing. They offer testing for anything you need, for God's sakes. They'll take care of you. Uh, so go to carbonhealth.com, download the app as well, and get a doc in your pocket for any of your healthcare questions or needs. Uh, so thanks so much to those of you who are joining us for the first time. Appreciate you taking the chance. And for those who are coming back to hang out with us, Mikey, I think you start us off. Take it away. Um, yes, I will take it away. All right. Our first story today involves a galaxy far, far away. Not surprising. We talk about it a lot. Um, and look, we're all fans of Star Wars. We're all fans of what's going on. We're all curious about what's next. And no one is more curious uh, than Mr. Taika Waititi, who has been tasked with making a Star Wars movie. Um, so Taika Waititi uh, has sort of an unannounced, uh, not unannounced, been announced, untitled, we don't know what it is, Star Wars movie that he's developing along with Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy. And in a recent interview with Total Film, um, he talked about sort of his philosophy about making the movie and about uh, sort of the legacy of Star Wars. And he said, look, I think for Star Wars and the Star Wars universe to expand, it has to expand. I don't think that I'm any use to the Star Wars universe making a film where everyone's like, oh, great. Well, that's the blueprints to the Millennium Falcon. Ah, there's Chewbacca's <laughs> grandmother. Um, that all stands alone. That's great, though. I would like to take something new and create some new characters and just expand the world. Otherwise, it feels like a very small story. Um, so, you know, obviously he's talking about the fact that in nine movies uh, that we've had with Star Wars, plus a few, most of them fall well within that Skywalker saga kind of place. Obviously, we're all watching Obi-Wan Kenobi right now, which also falls in that Skywalker saga kind of place. And Star Wars, uh, for as much as we love it, does sort of stay within the bars of what they've established and kind of fill in the gaps of that universe. And so what Taika Waititi's talking about is doing something kind of completely different. Um and given the Star Wars fandom, that could go either way. What do you guys think about what he said? I mean, it, I think it makes sense. I yeah. mean, you know, uh, the, the Skywalker saga takes place, it's over 50 years. What, about 60, 60 to 70 years, something like that? Um, so you want this incredibly expensive brand that you purchased. You want to be able to tell more stories. And one of the ways to do that is to sort of break out of this timeline that you've been working on since that's been going since 1977. Now, a lot of the books have broken out of that timeline. Yeah, and true. I know uh, that, you know, some of like the high Republic books, they're very, very popular. And with Disney plus, we're going to get to see, um, I think our first on screen. Yeah. The acolyte, which is supposed mm-hmm. to take place at the end I believe at the end of the uh, end of the High Republic, Republic, moving into the Old Republic, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, I the fact that, you know, he wants to sort of expand 
the universe and and find someone <laughs> who 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 is not Chewbacca's grandmother. Though, as you were reading that quote, all I was hearing was uh, Ta- Taika Waititi's voice with his Kiwi accent. Like, you know, we don't want to talk about Chewbacca's grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> So that sounds like a very smart move. But I mean, as has happened with a lot of Star Wars movies that get announced, they get announced and that's kind of as far as it goes. And Taika Waititi has, uh, Waititi has been a very, very busy guy. So I think it's a great plan. I'm curious if we'll actually get to see it, though. Yeah, that's a good that's the, the I think the button you put there at the end of your comment, Shannon, is where I'm falling in is do, will we get to see it? You know, you can talk all you want to talk about. Uh, with Star Wars movies, but we've seen Kathleen Kennedy have no hesitation to like completely change course on the franchise, no matter how much it takes her to turn that big boat around. She is able to do it when she thinks it's the right thing to do. That Ryan Johnson trilogy, they she essentially said at Star Wars Celebration, it's been kind of put on the shelf for now. We'll revisit it later on down the road. And she was like, one of the first people to be all about that Ryan Johnson trilogy when uh, uh, the last Jedi came out. So we've seen her able to being able to change courses here when necessary. Do I like that Taika's talking about it? Absolutely. I like his approach. I like his point of view. I think nothing against Chewbacca's grandma. I think he's absolutely right to not want to tell that story, go and do something else, explore new creatures, explore new things. You know, we've talked about it on the show before. Yes, we're getting new series, but they're all still tangentially connected to around the same time or the Skywalkers being still around in some form. And so the fact that they want to kind of eventually finally push past all of that and really commit to taking a chance and walking out there on that tightrope and creating new things and creating new um, series or new films that deal with new characters and timelines that we're not aware of at all in the world of Star Wars, I think is a great thing. And yeah, you could do what you want in books and comic books and and uh, and uh, audio cassette or books on tape or Audible, whatever. But once it's on camera, it's a whole other ballgame, which is why I think they're you know taking their time to figure out where they want to go next with the movies because no uh, big news to anybody that sequel trilogy wasn't overall that well received and i don't think it's going to get that prequel trilogy treatment in the long run i think it's very much going to stay exactly where most people think it's going to stay uh which is kind of an um how can i say this Uh, an unfinished uh product in the end that was didn't satisfy a majority of the star wars fan base so you want to do a good thing with the next movie and, of course, they put Rogue Squadron on the shelf, so Taika makes a lot of sense. But, Mike, he's super busy. Tell me where he's got time to be really working on this script and shooting this thing. You Listen, know, it's a lot, think, like a lot. I think no matter how busy you are, I think there's a couple things you make time for, and making a yeah. Star Wars movie is probably one of them. I do have a question for you, John, because you, uh, you know, not, not, so, uh, not, not so subtly in your way, have made it very clear that you think that there are a ton of stories still to be told about Luke and Leia yeah. and the core cast, and you are totally fine with recasting, and we yes. shouldn't have, we shouldn't hold casting. So do you think that it's better for Star Wars to tell some of those untold stories that you're really excited about hearing or better for Star Wars to go into bold new territory and go into something completely different. I think like if you could, to- if you could choose what, yeah. like for your, like you're Kathleen Kennedy, Yeah, you, you don't I look as so good money, in a business suit as she does, but yeah. you're Kathleen Kennedy, yeah. you're sitting in the room, everyone comes in and says, are we doing, are we going to recast and kind of tell some of these untold stories or are we going to do this? What do you choose? Right. By the way, I'm opening the, the, the coat to show my Star Wars on my shirt. I don't want to get too right. right. um, I, w- I will say this 100%, I think, with the movies, stay away from those stories. Stay away from Skywalker. Stay away from Leia. Stay away. 
in the TV side of things, I think they've shown that there is an audience for exploring these legacy characters. And I think that's where you go with that kind of stuff. You want to tell a new Luke story? Do it. You want to, you want, everyone wants to make Solo 2 happen? Fine, make it happen as a Disney Plus series. I'm all about that. The Lando thing, that should be a Disney Plus series. Spend time. Let us enjoy these characters. Because think about it. Honestly, on screen, we've gotten six to eight to nine hours with these characters. That's pretty much it with the legendary characters. Let's see them have more adventures, more exploration. Let's spend more time with them uh, in, in the Disney Plus series. And I like that Kenobi is showing that. I like that we got more Vader. We're not going to do any spoilers, but we've got more Vader in this previous episode. So to me, that makes me happy. Uh, so I like that. When it comes to the on-screen stuff, I think the generation that wanted that has kind of like been satisfied to a degree. And now the new generation wants to explore newer stuff, expand the franchise, try new things, see what happens. And don't quit after the first one. Like they quit after uh, Solo. They didn't want to do any more Star Wars stories. No, that was just a bad combination of factors. It doesn't mean you should have stopped doing them. I would have loved to have seen Boba Fett rather as a movie than as this series, which is ironic considering what I just said. I was going to say, just, you, know, I know, you, you, you were really on the street. You had a really good point going. I, I, and now. <laughs> well, only because Boba has spoken maybe, what, two lines in the whole series or the whole trilogy. So it, there was more to explore there as opposed to you'd Luke. rather You'd rather have a movie than the, than the series that we got. Yes, I agree. Is what you're yes. saying. Yes. <laughs> and The Mandalorian has shown that, right? The Mandalorian's been fantastic. And yeah. so mm-hmm. you can do fantastic series around Luke, around Leia, around all those characters and leave the uh, big screen adaptations to new stuff, to get new actors to come in, to explore new characters, new philosophies. We've changed our philosophies, Mike and Shannon, right from the 1970s, 1980s to where we are now in 2022. So what are we exploring new? What are we discovering Mm -hmm. about our society uh, in 2022? And I think there's a lot that could be explored here with new characters and new societies and new governments and new planets. Yeah, I think you make some really good points. I I think I tend to agree with the at least the first 60 percent of what you said. Um, but, uh, but no, I do think that, um, couple things. One, I actually would, uh, I wouldn't discount the, the new trilogy as quickly as you do. Like, I think there was, there was a good decade where we all felt the same way or not we all, but a good chunk of us felt the same way about the prequels, um, until Filoni and team came along with Clone Wars and like, you know, say what you will about George Lucas and his execution on the prequels, but he definitely gave us new stuff in the Star Wars universe, even though it was about Anakin and Obi-Wan, like Coruscant, Naboo, uh, you know, Kamino, clones, droids, separatists. Like he gave us a whole bunch of stuff that in the ensuing 20 years or so since those movies came out because of Clone Wars, because of Bad Batch, because of all, because of Rebels, because of all these things, like a lot of the stuff that was established in those prequels has been turned into gold for Lucasfilm. And in the same way that I don't think that the new trilogy is perfect, um, I think there is enough there that if people come along in animated series, in Disney Mm. Plus series, in other ways, and start filling in those gaps, there's a lot that could be made out of that still. Um, On the Taika Waititi front, he's absolutely busy. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, and I think there's possibilities there. Yeah, um, so, and on the Taika Waititi front, look, he is very busy, and you're absolutely right that Kathleen Kennedy has definitely uh, pumped the brakes a few times on movies. 
I think, and we'll see how Thor Love and Thunder is, um, but I think that Taika Waititi's track record, not just with the Thor franchise, not just with his other movies, but even taking something like Our Flag Means Death, which is definitely not a oh. uh, a, a um, something you would expect to be a ginormous hit, which has turned into a pretty big hit for HBO Max and has gotten a season two. Like he's proven that he can do some pretty weird things and still connect with an audience. So yep. Yep. I think that he might have a level of leeway and a level of permission, given his track record, given what he's done with Marvel, that he might be able to get away with things that Kathleen Kennedy would get really nervous about with another director. Yeah, fair enough. So. I think that I, I think there's a good chance we're going to see this Taika Waititi Star Wars movie. I, I could eat those words later, but right now I feel like of all the movies that are in development, that's the one that's the surest thing. Shane, you haven't said anything in a few minutes. Thoughts on on what we've been saying? No, I'm just remembering when you said you you listened to audio cassette tapes, um, and that was Ouch. something. That was something. I was just I wanted to jump in, but you were making such a good point. I'm like, ah, hey, it's not appropriate for a joke. But I'm like, John did just admit that he listens to audio cassettes. I used to. Yeah, those were the days. I had to get rid of them a few years ago. It was heartbreaking to get rid of four. Oh, I remember plastic canisters. Oh, yeah, you I remember. I got yelled at. I got yelled at several years ago when I lived with John Roca and I was going through the closet and it was packed with stuff and I found a trash bag not full of cassettes full of cassette cases oh yeah right yeah and I suggested oh, yeah. that perhaps we could put this trash bag of cassette cases where it belonged in the trash and was told under no uncertain terms that those were his to keep and he wasn't going to get rid of them Shannon, we've 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 seen Vogel's suggestive tone, haven't we? We've heard Vogel's suggestive tone. Um, yeah, it's pleasant. <laughs> it's a pleasant tone. <laughs> there, there, it's it's a pleasant tone with a fine sheen of superiority. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much suggesting as I am saying, but yes, uh, fair enough. But, uh, but yeah, Shannon, any final thoughts on this before we move on? Well, I mean. To what Vogel was saying about the sequel trilogy, because again, those were not my favorite movies. I think the best movie to come out of the Disney era is Rogue One, mm. um, and, and I think it is it is quite a quite a bit ahead of everything else that we've gotten. But kids love Ray. Yeah, true. Um, you, Very you know, true. You go to Galaxy's Edge. I mean, Ray, Ray. You know the the performers they have playing Ray. They are always around kids. Ray is grabbing the hand of a kid and walking him over to the X-Wing where she and Shuey are making repairs to it, to it. So, I mean, I even though, like, I was not necessarily a fan of the story, some of the stuff that could come out of it, um, presuming that Daisy Ridley may or may not be involved, but I mean, but, I mean you can go, you could go with another animated series post the sequel trilogy with Ray. I mean, there's so much I agree that, that can be done with some of those characters that it's difficult for us because, you know, we didn't really enjoy the movies. But again, you know, the kids who grew up watching the prequels are adults now and have those movies yeah. hold, a, hold a special place in their hearts. And you could, I think, okay, sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Go, so go we're quick we're, we're line, Mike. You could essentially redeem uh, Kylo the way you redeemed Anakin with Clone Wars. You could redeem yeah. Kylo, show more of his story so that when that redemption moment happens in the third film, of that trilogy, it has more weight to it. Listen, I and I've said this before, 
I, when I watch Revenge of the Sith now, uh, there's still some parts in the acting and in the performances that really give me a cringy moment, but Revenge of the Sith works a lot better for me as a movie now yeah. because of seven seasons of Clone Wars. Um, and I really do believe that there's a world, as much as Rise of Skywalker drives me crazy, um, there's a world where you stick a series, an animated series between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, and it really yeah. smooths over a ton of the edges. I think that there's, I think you're both right. I think there's a ton you can do with Rey. I think there's a ton you can do with Kylo. I think you can really do a ton with Finn because he was so yeah. underserved. Oh, yeah. And Poe. Like, they're just like, all of the characters are solid. And I think out of the three of us, even though, like, a lot of it, I think because my love for Last Jedi is so great, um, I think I probably like the new trilogy the most out of the three of us, even though I still have so, such major problems with it. But uh, but I think, yeah, I think there's a ton that you can do. And I think Shannon's right. I think there's a younger audience out there that does not care about the things that drive us crazy about those movies and absolutely yeah. loves that trilogy. Yeah, I, I can't rec I can't I've never been able to find the impetus to see Rise of Skywalker again. And I've never been able to say that with any Star Wars movie. Never. And that's what keeps me from loving the trilogy because I love Force Awakens. I love Force Awakens. But the second I film, half yes, half terrible. And so and I love Last Jedi. I, Force Awakens is good. Last Jedi I love. Rise of Skywalker, I did rewatch it last Thanksgiving for the first time since we saw it in theaters because I just went ahead and watched the entire new trilogy over Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. And it there's parts that I was just like screaming at the TV. But J.J. Abrams does make a beautiful movie. Like Rise of Skywalker has some beautiful shots to it. There are some really nice moments. And then there's a lot of stuff that that if I was making this animated series, I would be working really hard to uh, to to smooth over. Yeah, there are great scenes on 4K on YouTube if you guys want to watch those from Rise of Skywalker, where you don't have to watch the whole movie because that scene where they're fighting on top of the barge with the water and Solo yeah, shows it's up. gorgeous. That's a fucking beautifully shot scene. Yeah, you can't deny that. Um, all right, let's move on to our second. Now that we've had a main topic at the beginning of the show, let's move on <laughs> to our second topic here. Uh, Ryan Gosling. Uh, the first picture of Ryan Gosling as the per as the Ken doll in Warner Brothers' latest film, Barbie. Let's put it up on the screen there. There he is. Look at him. Michael, <laughs> Michael, calm down a little bit. It stars Margot Robbie as Barbie. Ken is in here. I'm sorry, uh, Ryan Gosling is in here as Ken. And look at this look. He's got the bleach blonde hair, the spray tan, the six-pack abs. Um, and this is fascinating because you're also going to get America Ferreira in this. Simu Liu is in this. Kate McKinnon, Alexandra Ship, Emma Mackey, Kingsley Benadir, Issa Rae, Michael Sarah, and more. And there's rumors that there's going to be multiple Kens and multiple Barbies. So this is fascinating on so many levels to see them taking this on. Look, that's a 41-year-old man who's looking that good. So, I mean, this is not a bad shot of Ryan Gosling. This is not a bad way to promote this, but does this excite you? Do you like the shot? What do you guys think? Are you into a, a Greta Gerwig Barbie movie with Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling? I think my excitement might be different than uh, Vogel's. Um, but... It's fair. It's fair. It's fair. Uh, I mean, that you know, they had a Barbie movie in development for a long time. And, you yeah. know, obviously we don't we don't know the stories. Like, we kind of got broad strokes of what it could be. At one point, Amy Schumer was going to star in it. So when, oh, Greta, right. yeah. when Greta Gerwig signed on, it's like, okay, this, this potentially can be a very interesting take on source material that you would not normally associate with a filmmaker like Greta Gerwig. And, you know, we've seen those shots of Margot Robbie and obviously Margot Robbie looks beautiful in her, in her, you know, pink sports car, that shot of Ryan Gosling. I mean, 
you know, we found out a long time ago that Ryan Gosling is really funny. I mean, yeah. from, you know, Crazy Stupid Love to uh, The Nice Guys. And it just seems like comedically a really, really stacked cast. I mean, to me, this looks like it could potentially be like the the Brady Bunch movie when they brought that out in the mid 90s. When it's like, what are you yeah. going to do a movie the Brady Bunch? And it comes out and it is so funny it's just taking the piss out of itself mm. and that's kind of my guess i mean i don't think that i don't think they'll go vitriolic with with making fun of themselves but it's clear they are doing this to me at least they're doing this with with uh th their tongue firmly planted in their cheek um to, to ryan gosling's workout regime my goodness i mean you know uh, emma stone said it best in crazy stupid love which is like you're, it's like you're photoshopped i mean the dude is, I mean, I think that's an eight pack. <laughs> um, and the fact that like, I, it wasn't until you, you put the picture up just now, John, yeah. that I, that I recognize that I saw like his underwear says Ken. Right. Right. Which I think is such a brilliant little, little funny touch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's been going to the 300 workout. That's what he's been using. Uh, Mike, thoughts, thoughts on the shot. Thoughts on the feelings about hey. Barbie here. Go to Gerrigan in this cast. You know, I it is, it's going to be really interesting. Like Shannon said, like Mattel has been developing a Barbie movie forever and ever and ever, and they've never quite been able to get it off the ground. This one, we got we got pictures coming out. Like it looks like it's happening. The Greta Gerwig thing really is interesting um, because, kind of to Shannon's point, like it does give the vibe and just given the cast that it's going to be sort of tongue in cheek. Given that Mattel is behind this movie, it's yeah. not going to make fun of Barbie. Right. Like they like Mattel's going to be really clear. Like I think they've learned from seeing like how other uh studios and toy companies have like brought their IP to life. Like I think they know they couldn't just do a straight down the line Barbie movie that that would just never get off the ground. So I think they knew they had to do something interesting. But I also don't think they're going to go, "Oh, Barbie's so dumb." Like Barbie's so ridiculous. So whatever that balance is is how this sort of reinforces the DNA of Barbie while at the same time clearly having some fun with Barbie, it's really interesting. So I'm really intrigued. Like this could either be, um, if you're going to look at like movie movies based on toys, like this could either be a Lego movie or it could be a battleship. Like, gonna, you know, it's like, it could be one or the other. Like it's either going to be that thing where we're like, holy shit, this is brilliant. Or we're going to be like, oh man, they really sunk. Like that was bad. <laughs> yes. Simu Liu said he had to wax his entire body to be in this film and um he said it's not a musical but he's but he's been working hard on dance moves so um and he called it wild the set and incredibly unique so there's probably a lot that's going to happen here and i wonder what the story is going to be is this about barbie like being a ceo and like all these different people of color are like teaching her things about society about the world you know greta gerwig has a social consciousness to her in her movies. Um, and so is I'm gonna, that I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm gonna go ahead and say probably not. Okay, fine. Is is this where we've got multiple Barbies uh, from different because you've got America Frere in here, you got Issa Rae, so it could be Barbies of different colors, different heritages, which we've seen, you know, over the last few years being mm -hmm. sold in stores and whatever, is an exploration of that. Multiple Kens from different walks of life is an exploration of that. Um, and what is the overall story? Is there a villain? Is there antagonist? What is the point of telling this movie? That would be the thing at the end. And, Michael, you point out astutely that Mattel's behind this, so they're not going to let you make fun of Barbie, or they'll let you go to a line, and you can't cross that line, or else you know they'll be super pissed about it. So it's an interesting challenge for Greta, for Greta Gerwig, because this is almost like a pseudo-big budget film, although it may not have the big budget, uh, a big film budget. The actors involved certainly feel like you're bringing some real strong talent and well-known talent 
to bear here. So uh, I'm very curious if it if it works or not. That's for sure. You know, but the jean jacket. Come on now. <laughs> I'm gonna be really honest. I, I I didn't hear I I didn't hear anything you said since you said Simu Liu waxed his whole body like that. I really stopped. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I I stopped listening to everything you said. I don't remember. I don't know what happened after that. Still Fair recovering enough. from that image in my mind. <laughs> they call well, that the Canadian smoothie. Hey oh. Uh, but I guess we're all gonna find out about it. It's uh, slated to come out on July twenty first, two thousand twenty three. So a little bit over a year from now, it's going to be coming out. So we'll see what the end result's going to be. Um, Shannon, what you got, man? Yeah, so as we've all been patiently waiting to find out who's going to be at the helm of Fantastic Four last week, uh, deadline dropped that Marvel has found a director for their Thunderbolts movie, and that is going to be Jake Schreier. So this is a guy that directed a movie that I hold near and dear to my heart back in like 2012, 2013, called Robot and Frank, that is one of the sweetest movies has Frank Langella, Susan Sarandon, James Marsden, Liv Tyler. Um, he's gone on to do a lot of TV. He just finished up production on a series for Netflix that I got to audition for, but I didn't get called Beef, um, but was also like a really, really interesting show. So the Thunderbolts, you know, this is a this is a Marvel, Marvel group that initially came out in the mid 90s. And it started off as basically supervillains in disguise, supervillains in disguise as superheroes. And throughout the years, there had been different iterations um i want to say the first one was started by uh zemo by baron yeah, zemo it was um and most re i don't know if it was most recently but at one point thunderbolt ross as, as red hulk was sort of the leader i think the name thunderbolts is independent of him like that actually right. was something that happened first but it's kind of in some iterations it's sort of dc's suicide squad it's or Marvel's Suicide Squad, excuse me. It is um, less than um, heroic characters uh, s serving a purpose. Now, it seems like this has been started to be set up back in Falcon Winter Soldier with the Cont with the Contessa, um, that it seems like this is the group she's putting together with U.S. agents, with Yelena Belova, and there are a bunch of potential, a bunch of potential characters already in the MCU, which yeah. in this article, like they, they, they said they have reached out to certain actors that already exist within the universe. Like you can see, we've got the Abomination, who's going to be shown in She-Hulk next. We've got Ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp. We've got Taskmaster from Black Widow. We Obviously, we have Zemo. Um, th but there's there's other people that are coming down the line, too, like J uh, Jamila Jamil, her uh, yeah, uh, Titania, Titania yeah, in, yeah. in She-Hulk. I mean, there's so many interesting characters that could potentially be on the table for this uh justin hammer i didn't even think about like yeah. oh that that could be a lot of fun um so gentlemen even though like he doesn't have a ton of stuff that that a, a lot of folks would know what do you what do you all think of the fact that not only are we getting a thunderbolts film it's it's definite now but also the hiring of jake schreier also the script is being written by eric pearson who wrote black widow yeah. go mike um I don't really have an opinion on him one way or the other. I mean, I think it's interesting yeah. that he's the choice. I mean, like, you know, every time that they do, uh, they've got these movies coming out. I mean, they meet with, like, every freaking director in the world. And so, like, you know, what was what was his take? What was his vibe that really, really got them excited? You know, so, I mean, I think that's going to be really, really interesting to see. Um, <laughs> I'm more, yeah, but, but I think that the, the part that I'm more curious about is who the Thunderbolts are going to be. 
Um, since yeah. it's being written by the same guy who wrote Black Widow, I think, you know, Yelena Belova is probably, and the fact that, like, I think we're all uh, in agreement that Florence Pugh as Yelena Belova is, like, one of the best things to happen recently in the Marvel Universe. So I think that she's probably a lock. Uh, I think Taskmaster is probably, I would say, highly likely. Yeah. Um, I would say what... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Red Stranger Guardian. Things dad. Red Guardian. Thank you. I was like, I think, I think oh. Red Guardian. Red Guardian's a a good a good choice. Um, but yeah, like I think I think Ghost. I hadn't thought about, but I think Ghost is really interesting because like I think there's a lot of characters in the Marvel universe, and this is just a nature of a lot of the movies where you introduce a villain in one of the movies from the comics, and they kind of come in, but you have so much going on, and you really focus on your heroes, which is a good thing. But sometimes hero like some of the villains just sort of like. I don't want to say fall into the background, but sort of serve their purpose to the plot. I think Ghost is one of those um, where it was like, I think she was really cool in Ant-Man and Wasp, but I think she didn't get a chance to do a whole lot. Mm. And I think that like taking her and uh, continuing on would be really, really interesting. So it's going to be really, and and how, and I, I think Julia Louis-Dreyfus being in the movie is all but guaranteed. Um, yeah, what they do with this and how it, it kind of falls under the category that we're always talking about now with phase four of Marvel, which is there's so much going on. Like, what the hell? Where, 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 where's all this going? Where are we? How does this all fit in? Yeah, it's fascinating to look at this, especially because the guy, he also did Paper Towns, uh, which appeals to the young adult crowd. So clearly they felt his pitch in some way was unique but still able to connect uh, with the people they really want to connect with, which is the younger crowd, because mm-hmm. these are essentially for the most part, these will be newer characters in the MCU. That'll be a part of this. Even Julie Louis-Dreyfus, of course, you know, has been around for a while now as an actress. Um, she's still new to the MCU. So in a way, this is kind of a smart move by them. And clearly he must've knocked their socks off considering yeah. his resume is not like full of a lot of films and TV shows, but the ones they are, uh, the ones he does have on his resume are very unusual. Dave's unusual. Beef is unusual. Uh, Paper Towns was an interesting approach to that situation. And then, of course, uh, uh, Robot and Frank. So this is just a fascinating director to pick. But yeah, I'm with you guys. What's the team going to be? Let me bring this back up again, because Justin Hammer is an interesting choice that only recently kind of came into my mind as I was reading other people's suggestions and he could take the place of the you know late great william hurt who passed away unexpectedly who was playing thunderbolt ross in the mcu so maybe he takes over works with zemo and valentina and recruits these people here to be a part of this a u.s agent and winter soldier on the same team in essence that could be interesting as well i don't know if he'd necessarily go on the team but maybe uh do you bring in the netflix marvel characters because Punisher has been a part of the Thunderbolts in the past. Do you bring in Luke Cage, who I think has been a part of the Thunderbolts? Do you throw in Jessica Jones? Do you bring back those characters? Do you introduce a new Ghost Rider? And I think the reason that they kind of, how can I say this? That they kind of domesticated Zemo, so to speak, in Falcon and Winter Soldier was to get us to like him so that he could make this transition into Thunderbolt. I think that was a plan of Feige's all along, which is why they went that route with him in the show. And so to me, this is they've been setting this up for a while. Uh, so I'm going to be very curious when they announce the final team and then when I hear what the particular is going to be and who's going to be the villain or the antagonist of the piece uh, could be fascinating. Because as you said, Shannon, earlier, Zemo started this as a trick 
when I think the Avengers were taken or whatever, he put a bunch of super criminals together. They they lied to everybody that they were heroes, then started liking being being heroes, and they turned on Zemo. And that busted up the Thunderbolts. And different iterations have come around with different people in charge of the Thunderbolts throughout. Even I think Namor has been a part of the Thunderbolts. I think in the past or something. So there's a lot here that could be explored uh, to have fun. So. I don't envy Marvel sitting down going, okay, who do we put on this team? Who do we not put on this team? It's a hell of a task. I mean, except that I think that, and I think this is probably a big part of what the pitch was, or, uh, you know, it's probably in the script, is that even though, and I think Marvel is really good at this, even though, like, there's uh, an infinite number of possibilities, both characters that already exist within the MCU and characters you could bring in, um, they tend to not just throw a bunch of people on screen to throw a bunch of people on screen. Right. Like, I saying. think that the choices around who's going to be in the movie are really contingent on like what the point of the movie is. Like, what yeah. is this a movie about? Um, you know, redeeming yourself for mistakes you've made in the past. Because if that's the case, there's a specific group of characters in the MCU you could go to. Right. Or is this a a bunch of villains who are going to try and pull a trick? To your point, but then decide they like being heroes. Like that's a different group. So depending on which way you go with what the vibe of the team is, I think that really does help you dictate. Okay, well these guys aren't really on the table because yeah. they're not in a place yeah. where they don't fit this. Right. Um, so I, I, I think it'll be interesting, but I think knowing, I, I think Zemo and Black Widow are my two, like, I think they're probably definitely in it. And yeah. so where it goes from there, we'll see. You know, I'll be curious, like, cause someone else that I was thinking of, like Bill Foster, like Lawrence Fishburne from Ant-Man oh, yeah. and the Wasp. Like he yeah. has a connection to Ghost. He's a, he's a science guy. Like you think about the combinations that you could put together because looking at the group, at least as it's mentioned in the article, it's a lot of um, uh, regular folks for the most part. I mean, yep. I think the abomination is the one who's sort of the most the most superpowered. But I started to think like, okay, what else is coming down the line? What else could this connect to? And that's sort of, you know, something that we've been uh, conditioned to do uh, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I kind of like, does this lead into secret secret invasion or secret war? Yeah. Is, this, is this the government's first at bat at trying to find out what's going on with with these you know with these scrolls perhaps i mean it's 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 really exciting it, um now my now you just have my brain working but it's also interesting just because look we know from like falcon and winter soldier that you know the contestant has been going around recruiting people she recruited us agent and we know that when we get to the end of black widow into hawkeye that like she's already sending yelena belova out on jobs like she's right, so it's right. not like like, like, is this is this movie about the formation of a team, or is this like in the absence of the Avengers post Endgame, has the government been you know yeah. stepping up and like sending these characters? Like, do we get into a world where we all of a sudden find out that Lawrence Fishburne has been working for the government and Ghost has been going out on missions and Black Widow's been going out on like that they've been doing this on small scale things to kind of keep the peace with no Avengers and then something happens where they have to go public or something like that. Like, that's really interesting. And think, and now thinking of the alien angle, thinking back to Falcon and Winter Soldier, sort of that character turn that Sharon Carter did that, you know, mm. some folks were not that thrilled with. Um, and like the only justification is like, she's gotta be, she's gotta be an alien. She's gotta be a scroll. Cause there's no way right. that Sharon Carter we met would do, would, would do this. Right. So you, you know, you look at the way that their established properties, how they could potentially connect. I mean, this, this is the fun part. I mean, we're probably yeah. wrong 
99%, but it's still fun. Also, it's still fun didn't they announce, life. correct me if I'm wrong, but with Secret Invasion, <laughs> didn't they announce that the series is going to take place during the blip? That's what they said? Yeah, but that hasn't been 100% confirmed, I don't think. So. But Sam Jackson is in it, but is that yeah. a scroll being Sam Jack? Like, there's yeah. so many... There's there's so many what ifs with yeah. that. Um, well, we do know that there is a scroll that is Sam Jackson for at least a period of time. Not not a right. bad one, we yeah, don't think. Yeah. Um, but we know that Talos is you know kind of like filled that gap for a period of time, and whether maybe he did that during the blip. Like so, you know, I think there's right. like 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 there's a lot of possibilities, and there's also the potential that Secret Invasion takes place. The invasion took pl- this, and this actually just makes sense. Now we're just going to talk. Like I, I'm going to get this out, and then we can move on. Okay. <laughs> but like that, the if it within the world of the MCU, mm-hmm. um, that five year gap, that blip, um, would be the perfect time mm. to have an alien invasion happen. I mean, there's like it makes sense that scrolls would come and kind of infiltrate Earth while people were disappeared. Yeah. And say, oh, no, I didn't disappear. I didn't blip. I'm here. Um, and then, like, when people come back post blip, like, they would have to deal with that problem. But it would be interesting if Secret Invasion took place partially during the blip. But then we kind of catch up to modern day and realize that it still hasn't been taken care of. Like, there's a lot of really interesting possibilities there. Yeah. Yeah. It's been pushed a bit. And Samuel's coming back. He's going to be, you know, in both the Ms. Marvels or the Marvels, rather, and uh, and Secret Invasion. So what's his role going to be in all of this? And he's going in for reshoots right now for the Marvels. He announced that recently in an interview. uh, And uh, he hasn't said where a Secret Invasion is going to be set or when Secret Invasion is going to be set. So I'm very, very curious. Um, He says it's like it's definitely not a one-to-one adaptation of the comic book, although it takes a lot of that kind of paranoid spirit runs with it. I think that's literally everything I can say about it. We're going to leave the secret in Secret Invasion for now. So I, I don't think we're going to definitively know where it's set for quite some time, to be honest. So, which is good. Yeah, that's we'll makes guessing. sense. Yeah, keep this. Um, all right, there you go. Uh, Shannon, any more to say on this? Are we good? Well, no, it's supposed to start filming next year. So I imagine we might be seeing this summer 2024. Oh, boy. More Valentina. Oh, boy. All right. Well, there we go. Let's, uh, let's uh, take a quick break and we'll jump into our main topic, which is all the stuff going on in the world of DC, including Lady Gaga possibly playing Harley Quinn in a musical for Joker 2. We're going to get into all of that right after this. That's because David Zasloff is under pressure. Oh, Lord. Oh, boy. I think he's putting people under pressure. I don't know if Zasloff is uh, ask J.J. Abrams. He's feeling the squeeze. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into everything that's going on here in the D.C. and Warner Brothers front. Let's start right off the bat with the uh, uh, story that broke a couple of days ago from Hollywood Reporter and other sites talking about the fact that D.C. and Warner Brothers is in talks reportedly. No one's confirmed this from uh, Gaga's camp, but is in talks reportedly with Lady Gaga to have her come be Harley Quinn, in essence, in the Joker 2 movie. Uh, Todd Phillips last week posted a picture on Instagram of the script, which we talked about the title on the show, and then Joaquin Phoenix in black and white reading it. Now comes this story. Now, to plug my own shit, the hot mic, Jeff Snyder, the next day after the Geek Buddies, Jeff Snyder said already that there were rumors that uh, that they wanted Gaga for this. 
And then the Hollywood story story broke three days later. So just saying the hot mic sometimes breaks stuff. And so the fact that it's happening, the fact that it might be happening now, gentlemen, thoughts on this idea that it's a musical possibly and that it'll be Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. And Jeff reported on the show that he heard that Joaquin was pushing for Rooney Mara, his girlfriend, to play Harley Quinn. But maybe they went with someone that they trust a little bit more with the singing chops and the acting chops combined here with lady gaga so what are you guys thoughts on that first here in this dc block of the geek buddies i mean you know we we had a lot of fun poking fun at that title folia do um and we forgot to add vibrato to it because it, it's going to be song folia do um look the the idea <laughs> seeing that title and being like so self-important and then you find out it's a musical and lady gaga's gonna play arlie quinn that is just so such a kind of bananas idea it's like yeah okay cool <laughs> like let's let's see what happens and i like this someone you know many folks on on twitter and on the internet have said like oh he's gonna he's gonna ape another scorsese movie with right, new york right. new york <laughs> like in, with, oh god you know, not the bad one no I mean, the one with De Niro in the Liza Minnelli. Liza, yeah. Um, uh, that is just such a batshit idea that it's kind of like, yeah, awesome. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, I don't think, uh, like, obviously, like, watching House of Gucci, <laughs> no matter what you thought of that film. Yeah. Um, Lady Gaga, is, you know, she's a magnetic performer. I love her. <laughs> a sweetie. Um, but <laughs> her and uh Joaquin Phoenix together singing and dancing Oof. as uh, as the Joker and Harley Quinn that's again, that's it, it's so crazy, it might just work, <laughs> Mike. I mean, is this is this to throw us off the scent, or is this legitimately what they might be going with here? I mean, I just love I, I had retweeted this tweet from uh at uh at Sage Hyden, which mm-hmm. says. Joker 2 as a musical is literally the most chaotic decision any movie studio has ever made. Everyone that was excited for a sequel is mad. Everyone that thought a sequel was unnecessary is excited. It's pure chaos. You love to see it. And I think that really, that is the correct take. It sums it up. Like, last week when we talked about this, I was kind of like, ugh, Joker 2, do we really need another one? I think the Joker was a great movie, but am I excited? And then I was like, I'm sorry, what? A Lady Gaga musical? For, oh, yeah, let's. I'm in. I'm excited. When is it? When's the release? I'm going. Opening night. Let's go. And then all the people that are like, I love Joker. Todd Phillips really brought something to it. I feel like this next sequel is going to be really gritty and like dive into this. And then they're like, no, it's a musical with Harley, with Harley Quinn. And they're like, fuck that. Like, it, is, it is the most Joker <laughs> thing to do to just like throw a complete curveball. And, you know, and even like I was saying last week, I was like, look. We have Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Uh, we have the animated Harley Quinn. Like, there's a lot of Harley Quinns out there. Do we really need another Harley Quinn? Yeah. No. But if Lady Gaga is going to do it, then fuck yeah, let's do it. Like, it's like sure. Like, it's like it's the it's it's exactly what Shannon said. The entire idea is batshit. Following up a movie that has the tone of the first Joker film, a film which, granted, came out at a very specific time in our society, but had people worried that there was going to be shootings in the theater Mm. because of the grittiness of what the film's content was, and to follow it up with a musical, like, it, it's bonkers, it's bananas, it's crazy. Like, which is, you know what that is? That's Joker. 
Yeah, it reminds me of the title of one of the episodes of Barry this season, Crazy Time Shit Show. That's what it feels like, Crazy Time Shit Show, this uh, idea of it. And I love it. I love it. For the reasons you just said, uh, uh, Michael, when you read that tweet, the people who wanted it are pissed off. The people who didn't want it are excited. I love that because the people that didn't want it are going to go anyway. Right. I'm sorry. The people that did want it are going to go anyway. And the people didn't, that's the ones you want them to come. So the fact that they're excited to come, this is kind of an insanely genius move. So very Joker ish by Warner Brothers and DC to do this decision. And Todd Phillips clearly understood the assignment, making a billion dollars off a film that people didn't 100% necessarily want to see until the first trailer came out. So it's been incredible. And had all kinds of questions about, like, well, what, where does it fit? Why would you do a solo Joker movie? It doesn't make sense. He made it make sense. So I kind of trust him to take a chance like this and see what can come out of it. And I knew that Margot Robbie or any other of the Harley Quinns was not going to work for what he's building with his Joker in that section of whatever DC is doing. So bringing in someone like Mar- like a, a Lady Gaga is very, very interesting as Shannon said, I, I, I liked her in House of Gucci. I like her as an actress. Um, I, think, I think, obviously, she's seen the shit out of anything. So, perfectly matched up here. And I don't even know who Joaquin can sing. I don't remember seeing him in, in singing anything. If I Walk the line. Oh, yeah, walk the line. Uh, yeah, but that's Johnny Cash. Like, you know, uh, it's not musicals, man. You, know, so you see Madonna and Evita? That ain't musical, son. So, it's, it's a whole nother... <laughs> vocal temperament to do musicals than it is to do a deep based country music star like Johnny Cash, who I love, by the way, don't get pissed off people, but it's a different demand on your voice. So I'm very curious. Plus we've seen musicals, $10 million for West side story in the Heights. Didn't make that much money. This yes. Not, Showman made money, but this is, that is, <laughs> that is apples and gay oranges. It is not the same yeah, thing. <laughs> Oranges, not oranges, but <laughs> apples and gay oranges. No, I mean, look, because like, look, there is a very specific audience for a movie adaptation of a musical, whether that be yes, a classic musical like West Side Story or a more modern musical like In the Heights. Like, right. like those examples apply to like what's going to happen with Wicked. Like, are people going to go to odd to movie theaters to see Wicked? This is a completely different thing because taking a super taking a superhero movie period, like taking any superhero movie and making it a musical is already a mashup that like the likes of which we've never seen before. Taking this specific superhero movie, which barely even fits in the category of the other superhero movies that we usually cover on Geek Buddies and making that a musical, like this is, there's just no roadmap. Like nobody knows what this is. Um, And you know, look, there's also, this could all be wrong like maybe it is a musical maybe it's not maybe it's a musical and lady gaga is playing a character named you know uh chintzy sequoia and it's nobody we've ever seen before and todd phillips made her up and it's a brand new character like it doesn't it doesn't everyone is reporting it as if it is like tried and true and this is it and lady gaga is harley quinn now if i was david zaslov and i saw the way the internet reacted to it I would be like, well, even if it's not true, it's true now. Somebody get her on the phone. So yeah. <laughs> like, it's like they at this point, they probably really just need to do this. But yeah, I, I just think it's going to be the weirdest thing we've ever seen. I don't know. Right. Like, I don't even know where to go with it. And, and we've seen people change their points of views on Harley Quinn over the last few years, Mike and Shannon, right? This idea that Joker created her. She's a slave to this crazy guy. 
they've changed their perception about this character. And we've seen that in the animated series. We've seen that in the Birds of Prey movie. Uh, so I wonder how much further they'll go with that idea of her choosing to be with Joker from her own free will um, and not turning in, her into a lovesick slave, but something else completely. So how much further down that path will they walk yeah. with this new iteration um, of uh, Harleen Quinzel? No, that's uh, a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. I mean, look, I'll say, I'll say, and I, I'll, maybe I'll take this back later, but in a lot of ways, Harley Quinn is to the DC universe as Ahsoka Tano is to the Star Wars universe. That's like, a great comparison. This is a character that like came much later than the other characters that she inhabits a world with, who very quickly overtook everything because she is so extremely popular. So um, you're right. Like how Todd Phillips chooses to handle her uh, in this movie where it looks, I mean, if they are going to go down this road, I mean, I think there's a lot of parallels to the Mad Love comic book and the Mad Love episode of Batman the Animated oh. Series where we really got to see that backstory of Dr. Harleen Quinzel being the Joker's doc doctor, falling in love with him, kind of becoming a part of the his madness, which fits right into what the title is. So it does seem like they're going to tread that territory, but you are right. Since Harley's story has been sort of adjusted over the years and nuanced to make her a bit more in charge of her own uh, her own destiny, it'll be interesting to see if he does do, go down that road, how, how they walk that line. Yeah. I'm sure Gaga will be very clear about that. Uh, Shan, yeah? I'll walk that. Oh yeah, nice. Uh, <laughs> Kaboom! Kaboom! <laughs> yeah, the only thing I had to I had to add was uh, Vogel coming up with the name on the spot of Chinsey Sequoia, which has now been typed into my notes section that we'll, we will be using in some capacity in the future. Is there a Sequoia, Sequoia. berry? Is there a Sequoia berry? Chinsey Sequoia uh, coming soon to Strawberry Shortcake. It <laughs> <laughs> has to be a dragberry, right? I mean, it's just so perfect. Um, all right, let's move on to this other part. We'll see. Obviously, they haven't said yes or no, and who knows what's going to happen. Uh, uh, and I'm sure they'll make announcements. Or she'll play the Joaquin game where she'll say, I don't know what you're talking about until she signs the contract. So um, let's move on to a little bit uh, less um, exciting news, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, uh, more news broke around uh, Ezra Miller. Um, there's been uh, some reports here that a – uh, parents of a, of a uh, 18 year old girl uh, have come out with a restraining order and um, there have been some accusations made about Ezra Miller's behavior around their daughter from since she was, I think, 12 or 13 years old into now. These are Native American people off the Lakota reservation, if, I, if, I, if I'm correct there. Uh, and uh, they have made these claims against them, uh, Ezra Miller. And uh, apparently the court... Uh, and the uh, uh, lawyers cannot seem to locate Ezra Miller to um, deliver these papers and this protective order against them. Um, and to add more intrigue to this situation, the young girl has come out on Instagram and defended Ezra Miller and said, a young, I'm sorry, the 18-year-old teenager has come out and defended Ezra Miller and said that Ezra was nothing but supportive and nothing but uh, a positive influence around her when they were with her so and talking to her so this is there's accusations of grooming here violence intimidation fear paranoia delusions and drugs to hold sway over this uh what was at the time an adolescent young girl what is now um an 18 year old uh person so this is a very fascinating situation and you wonder um where they are in this and then ezra responded with memes 
on his insta on their instagram uh in uh, kind of a little bit of a, re a retaliation to all this press so gentlemen i mean how much weirder or crazier does this situation have to get before Warner brothers makes a decision i i'm, I'm gonna be honest i'm gonna be honest <laughs> i okay depending on the moment and depending on the ezra miller story go from being completely over this story and not yeah. wanting to talk about it anymore to so intrigued mm. like what is going on like where where was ezra when they attacked that one girl like in, was it was it norway or was it yeah, like it was in, yeah iceland or something yeah, yeah, yeah iceland like like ezra miller chokes out a girl in iceland mm -hmm. ezra miller gets arrested in hawaii ezra miller has some kind of relationship with an indigenous person on a Lakota reservation. Like, like where in the world, how is Ezra Miller getting in so much trouble in so many different places? It is, it is almost, it's almost impressive if it wasn't so ridiculous. Like he, they are all over the map. Like, like the next thing is going to be like Ezra Miller in Bangladesh gets in trouble for this. And then the next day, Ezra Miller shoplifts in Antarctica. Like, I don't, right. like, it's crazy. Well, that may explain why they can't seem to find Ezra Miller to pay, serve the papers, because they don't know where he's at from day to day, what country they're in, sorry, what, what country they're at and what country they're in from day to day. And just to give a little bit more here, uh, Shannon, before you chime in, uh, um, they met at the Standing Rock Reservation in North Dakota when uh, when uh, he they were 23 at the time and uh, the young woman was 12. Um, and uh, Takata's parents said that Miller also flew Iron Eyes, that's the name of the of the girl, to London in 2017 to visit the studio when Takata was 14 and Ezra was 25. And they claimed that Miller supplied her with alcohol, marijuana, and LSD during their friendship. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, Shannon, thoughts on this entire situation and also are we expecting wb to do like at what point does it become untenable to not do reshoots and and replace his Miller? i mean they have a year <laughs> for that for that movie to come out and you know yeah a lot of times you hope the news cycle because we live in a day and age where the news cycle is very very fast yeah um you know you <laughs> the hope is like all right give it a couple of weeks people are going to start talking about something else but more news keeps popping up. Right. And now like him or uh, them shoplifting in Antarctica as Vogel just said, now I'm trying to picture yeah. the headline of Ezra Miller trying to smuggle a penguin on board a plane. Um, it, you know, looking at it, because this is clear, this is a, this is a private matter that's going on between these parents, their child and this adult. Yeah. Um, looking at it from the Warner brothers perspective, Man, I don't know, because again, <laughs> re, this is reshooting conceivably the, the entire yeah. film yeah. that Ezra Miller is your lead, plays at least two characters, potentially more. It's in post. Um, it's in post, Shan. I mean, what do you do? I mean, yeah. that's that's the you know, that's the ten thousand dollar question, because at this point, it doesn't seem like the. um public incidents are letting up that it's just yeah. continuing yeah i do i i'm gonna share what i'm gonna say right now what i'm gonna say right now is not a defense of ezra miller but there right. is a i look 
I think given everything that Ezra has been through and everything we have seen, like there's a lot of questions about Ezra's behavior. Mm. The specifics of this story, I would just point out um, that there are many times, uh, you know, as as we have discussed here and as we constantly are bringing up, like Ezra Miller is non-binary. Yes. Um, There are plenty of examples uh, where a queer person meets another queer person, a younger queer person, Mm -hmm. and is there for them in a supportive way. And if those parents don't like that, um, can get accused of all kinds of things. And grooming is definitely something that comes up. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened here. I literally don't know anything about this story. But I think that there is sort of this uh, tendency to snowball when we've seen the videos of what Ezra has done and we see what Ezra did here and we see Ezra on footage with the cops in Hawaii. But then this story comes out and you're like, oh yeah, this is really bad. But like, and I'm going to sound horrible for saying this, but like sometimes supplying somebody with alcohol, marijuana, and LSD is not always a bad thing. Like, I, I just think that like, I know, I know that that's what sounds horrible. No, if it's underage, we are not fair. Uh, we are fair, not but I, I'm not condoning that. But I am just saying that <laughs> queer culture there is there there is a lot a of nice times. That, Thanks everybody for no no no. <laughs> let me just say this. I do think, and I this is, I'm probably gonna the comments are gonna get me for this. A lot of times in queer culture, when you are a queer, a, per, a person who discovers that they are queer on any level of the spectrum and you don't have family or a support group and you do find that support somewhere else, that can be a lifeline for you. And again, I am not saying that that's what's happening here. This could be just as crazy and batshit as it sounds. Yeah. But I do think because none of us actually know, um, it's worth saying that there could p- potentially be nuances to this story that we don't know about. Fair point, Mike. That's, I think it's fair point. I mean, I agree, as you said earlier, I agree with 60% of what you said. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. But these are the memes here. You cannot touch me. I am in another universe. Uh, message from another dimension. Uh, then me remembering how I was nice when I should have said, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? Um, and another one here, people holding a headache of flowers to give to me. Um, and then all of this, I'm shielded from negative people and their ill intent, my spirit, mind, body, all of this that's there. Um, and so just an interesting collection of memes to put out there, certainly kind of defending them, there's themselves from the situation. And so who knows? And, and, you know, Mike, I think that's essential to add some nuance here because, uh, you know, you're speaking from being in the LGBTQ community and, uh, what you see sometimes on the inside and when people find each other, certainly because, a society like ours can be quite unaccepting or quite uh, ex- uh, excluding of people from the LGBTQ plus community. And so finding people to connect to, finding mentors, finding guides, finding older people who've been through the wars of that is essential to kind of help you find your voice. Yeah. Uh, and how that goes about is different for everybody, you know? And so, and, and I think, and it's, and it's, and, it's and again, it's not a black or white thing. Like sometimes, no, no, sometimes you can, find somebody who you relate to and want to have a dialogue with and it can go really dark and really bad and maybe that's yeah. what happened it's like i'm not this is i'm certainly not defending ezra miller and i'm certainly not saying that i know everything about the situation um and i'm certainly saying that it all does sound batshit so the whole thing is crazy yeah. and i think i do think that whatever happens with the flash movie um when the book is closed on ezra miller and we finally all get to understand exactly what has gone on these past few years yeah. is going to be a hell of a read. <laughs> That's for sure. In, um, yeah, in, in 10 years, it, there, it's going to be an amazing FX limited series. Oh, my God. With Sam Rockwell and Michelle Williams. I'm, I'm down to see that. I'm down to see that.
Um, uh, but let's let's uh, move on to another story. Real quick, this real quick story, kind of it might be a non-story, but you know, uh, Amber Heard was, of course, the decision happened last week with Johnny Depp. She was on the Today Show. She uh, over the last two days delivering her point of view, her opinions on what happened in the court case, and then this story broke from sources saying that um, she was going to be replaced. Uh, in Aquaman 2 that they're going to do reshoots and of course we'd heard during the trial that Walter Hamada was no big fan necessarily of her acting and that there were chemistry issues and that editing editing really helped she even herself admitted that they were cutting down her role in Aquaman 2 even though nobody from the studio officially said that was it was happening Jason Momoa and apparently James Wan fought for her to stay on as Mira in this film but uh then this uh story was quickly rebutted an hour or two later saying that no decision has been made about her in the film and no cutting her out of the film has been made in any way shape or form but the person who dropped this information the source that dropped this information um has been correct in the past quite a few times so this is where it becomes a little bit like is it real is it not real is the studio saving face because they want to make the decision quietly uh, on a friday at five o'clock or are they um, uh, legitimately pushing back because they're not going to take her out of the movie? What do you gentlemen think is happening? They're a seasoned uh, watchers of the Hollywood system now after all these years. I mean, her personal issues aside, yeah. you know, you look at the results that were produced from the first movie. Mm-hmm. And I know when I saw the trailers for Aquaman, Amber Heard stuck out like a sore thumb. Now, after having watched the film in its entirety, I went out saying, well, she wasn't that bad. Right. So that's not what you want to aim for <laughs> as yeah. as a as a as a studio, as, as you know, you, your creative team. You don't want to aim for it's not that bad. You want to aim for good. And so the idea that the studio would would want to replace her leading up to filming that's not a shock i mean yeah. kudos to james wan and jason momoa for sticking by their leading lady They're like no we we you know we did this the first time let's 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 keep the team together if if they if the studio's point of view is that her public image is going to affect the box office that's that's the decision that would be made i mean it's all going to come down to two dollars for them and at this point again you know aquaman that doesn't come out until march the news cycle very fast um so from here on in i mean you know they they had said already i think she had said that her role was was diminished right um that she was the studio has not said that it's diminished she has said it's diminished. Yeah, but there's no reason not to believe her in terms of this, that that she was getting new drafts. And, and look, I mean, when you sign on for a project, scripts are constantly being rewritten. That's true. So the, the fact that she's saying, like, stuff was disappearing, stuff was getting smaller, but also the studio did say, like, this was all in, this was always envisioned, uh, and this is not official, this yeah. was envisioned as sort of a road trip movie with Jason Momoa and Patrick Wilson. Right. Um. So if it does come that they delete her scenes entirely, um, they've got nine months, but they're, yeah. it's also like, hey, in the editing of the movie, that story just didn't work. So, like, you know, we'll, we'll never find out the entire truth. Like, that just won't happen. There will always be spin from her team, from the studio. But more than anything, it sounds like, uh, at least from the filmmakers, they didn't want to replace her, but they also didn't want her to be all over it like she was the first movie. 
Yeah, and, and real quick, Mike, I just want to give credit to the source. Just Jared, just Jared is the source uh, that, that cited this, and they said she was being cut after a recent test screening did not go well with her in the movie. Um, and Hamada has denied that there were any uh, any of that going on, but he did, as I said, admit that there were conversations about recasting her. And this report comes um, days after a viral boycott of Aquaman 2 began to spread over social media and her spokesperson, not the studio, her spokesperson said the rumor mill continues as it has from day one, inaccurate, insensitive, and slightly insane. So Mike thoughts on this real quick. Here's, if I was going to guess, yes. uh, I think, I mean, like I said before, like studio PR meetings. teams, you've been, in I have, there's been a lot like, but uh, studio PR teams are not, um, how do I put like, it's not like when they come out with their answer, it is always the most well thought out. Like a lot of times when stuff like this happens, there's a lot of like running around backstage, like everything is on fire. Holy shit, what do we do? What do we do? How do we handle this? And then you have to email a lot of people and you have to get, oh, well, we, well what does so-and-so want us to say? Well, what does so-and-so want us to say? Well, what has already been said? Well, what's out there? And there's just like, it's a, it's a whole shit show. I think that there's definitely conversations about cutting her out of the film or recasting her. Okay. Um, I think that's absolutely, with this many rumors being like, with her saying her role has been diminished, with, with yeah. Hamada saying he's thought about it, with Warner Brothers saying, no, none of that is true. And then her agent is like, oh, these vicious rumors that continue to dog us every day. Like it is clearly those conversations are happening. Yeah. Like they are happening. And they don't want us to know they're happening because nobody's made a decision yet. Like, there's probably a lot of like, well, okay, let's wait and see this. Let's see what we end up with. If she's not in the movie that much, is it even worth it to recast her? Well, if her, her, her Good Morning America interview was really shitty, maybe we do need to recast her. Like, I think that there is the process of figuring out how much she's actually in the movie and what is it worth it or could we just phase her out of Aquaman 3 like you know where are we at and so because they haven't made a decision they don't want anyone to know that there's even a discussion about it because right. that could color people's opinion one way or the other so the immediate reaction is no we're absolutely not talking about it when it's pretty clear that they are absolutely talking about it they just haven't made a decision yet uh, all right and and we'll see what happens with uh, with uh, with that decision with that situation as it goes along because uh, she is not faring well after the interview on the Today Show, both uh, uh, from, from a lot of places that I see online and in the coverage uh, afterwards. She might have even done more damage to herself appearing on the, the channel. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. unfortunately. What, what? I just said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Agreed. I agreed with 100% of what you just said. <laughs> 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 Let's move on to this last thing, much to Mike's chagrin. Um, Zack Snyder uh, is being uh, highlighted here because June 12th was recently Superman Day, which a lot of people made a big deal about, put up pictures of themselves and talked about Superman, which is great. Uh, and uh, Snyder, as, he wa as he's wont to do, uh, posted a uh, supportive uh, post on Vero, his social media site, um, and it was a picture of him with Henry Cavill, and he referred to the actor as my Superman, past, present, and future. Hashtag Superman Day. So a lot of people now are jumping into this saying, well, what does this mean? Does this mean that he might be appearing in the Flash movie? Does this mean that Snyder in him might be collaborating more down the road with this with Walter Zaslav coming in, maybe opening the door to the Snyderverse or a section of the Snyderverse or, a, you know, whatever you call that, a, a tangent of the Snyderverse existing in there. What do you, or is this just a simple post saying, this is my guy forever. 
and ever until I die. My Superman until I die. What do you guys think? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Well said. (laughs) I think I think I think Zack Snyder probably doesn't actually know what their plans are, but it was Superman Day. Henry Cavill was a Superman, and I imagine he would like to see Henry Cavill go on as Superman. That's that's my guess. I mean, we're getting Mike. We're getting Michael Shannon Zod. We're getting Ben Affleck's Batman. Is Henry Cavill Superman really that far out of the realm of possibility? No. Look here. I think two things. I think the one thing I think of is I don't think Henry Cavill's Superman is out of the realm of possibility at all. Um, I think I think if I were Zaslav coming in, I'd be like, "What the fuck are you doing with Superman? Like, we got to figure this out." And in the same way that they are phasing Batfleck out for Michael Keaton, Uh, I think there's definitely an option of keeping Henry Cavill as Superman if they want to, and there's also an option of having him have some really great moment that sort of puts a bow on him and gets him gone. Like, I think either one is a possibility. I don't think that Zack Snyder's post meant any of that. I think that he literally was like, this is my guy. He's always going to be my Superman. And I think Snyder fans on Twitter are so desperate to get any little inkling that the Snyder universe is going to continue that, like, Snyder could be like, huh, the Cheerios I had for breakfast were really super, and people would be like, oh, like, it just... There's like anything he says, everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, this is what it really means," and I'm like, "No, it doesn't." They were. He literally meant, "This is my guy." They were super, comma man. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that. Oh, but, you know, but Snyder, I mean, you know, he, he made it happen. He spoke it into the universe, and somehow, his version of Justice League did come to pass. So, who knows if down the road Zaslav? Because I mean, Zaslav came and was like, "Wonder Twins." Give me Superman. It's quite possible that he rolled in there. And JJ, what are you doing with a $200 million sci-fi epic? Where's my dark universe? Like, there's certainly a possibility here uh, for, uh, you know, change. I mean, look, I, I don't I don't know what Zaslov thinks about any of this, but I, I am glad for Zack Snyder's fans that everybody got Justice League. And I'm glad for HBO Max that we got to see Zack Snyder's Justice League. And we all certainly had a lovely time talking about it. Regardless of your opinions on whether the Zack Snyder Justice League universe and the Zack Snyder DC universe is better or worse than what they're currently doing, it is certainly different and it was very divisive and it didn't necessarily deliver financially in the way that they wanted it to deliver. So just from a financial standpoint, this would be, this is literally the equivalent of going, um, I think Ryan Johnson's going to take over the Star Wars universe any day, guys. Like, it's going to happen. Like, it just, there's no reason for them to go, we're going to give the keys back to the guy that kind of divided things and didn't necessarily do what we wanted it to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You so what you're saying is you were not that crazy about The Last Jedi. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. <laughs> That's the show, folks. Confirm. Uh... Thanks for watching. <laughs> Uh, but no, that is the show. Let's get on out of here. Thank you all so much for watching. We did go over a few minutes of, of our hour cutoff that we like to do on the show. So we appreciate you sticking around for this extra content here for these next few minutes. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow noted Last Jedi hater Michael Vogel, it is at MKTune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says. Mikey, your retort? 
<sighs> if you liked 10%, 40%, 80%, or 100% of what we talked about today, um, we are certainly glad that you stuck around. And we hope you continue to stick around. And how here's how you can help us continue to stick around. Um, hit the like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Uh, you know, Check out all the amazing content he's got there. Leave your comments below. There was a whole bunch that we talked about today that I'm sure y'all are hot to comment on. So let us know down below what you think about all this. Um, if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere podcasts are available, definitely leave us some stars and some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And of course, as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your social, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. And a big shout out to uh, Carbon Health and Powers and the sponsors here on the Geek Buddies. Please head on over to CarbonHealth.com. Get checked out today. You got any healthcare needs, questions, concerns? They are so excited to address them with you and help you get back into a healthier state of mind, into a healthier state of your body. They offer virtual care and care in person at their clinics, 100 plus clinics all over the country, 50 plus, plus clinics in California alone, or you can download their app for Carbon Health, have a doc in your pocket for any questions that arise when you're out and about in the world. So thank you all so much. We appreciate it madly. Y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. Look for our Kenobi spoiler review coming with Laura Kelly as well uh, here from the Geek Buddies very soon. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.